With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. The winds of war are upon us. The winds of war are upon us. I'm referring specifically to Iran and to China. Iran first. I know Trump, he gets involved. He gets in altercations with different countries. We get into arguments. We sanction them. We do this to them, that to them. And he has aggravated the hell of Iran. He broke the treaty right away, uh, the nuclear treaty. And now we got a pissing match going. The only way to describe it, we've sent a ship or two over. Uh, we've got troops just yesterday, the day before, Trump announced he was deploying 1,000 more troops to the Middle East. And you can only push people so far. And he has pushed Iran. He has pushed Iran. Now, why has he pushed Iran? What's the benefit to him? Uh, Sure, he'll, he, he may beat them, he may not. Don't kid yourself. It's a modern society over there in Iran. I think what motivates him with regard to Iran are, is Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia wants the oil. They need oil. And Saudi Arabia, they've been sucking up to Trump big time from the first month he was elected. Remember, he went over there. They had his picture hanging on the outside of buildings and everything else. And the other one is uh, Netanyahu from Israel. Uh, Israel fears Iran. Uh, also, I don't think they really fear. They say they fear. Uh, but I, it, Israel is so much better, so much heavier uh, with their military equipment, with their army, air force, whatever they have, than Iran. And they just want to squash them. Netanyahu is like Trump. Okay, He's like Trump. He's a despot. He wants to be president forever. Uh, these guys are birds of a feather. But he's anxious to take out Iran. That will make him the leader over there, he thinks. But he's going to have to deal with Saudi Arabia afterwards. And I think he just sucks up to these people. Uh, Netanyahu is very smart. He recently announced that he had named a new settlement in the Golan Heights, Trump Settlement. Would you believe it? There is a settlement, a bunch of buildings, people living there, called Trump Settlement. Mark my words, before the year is out, he's going to visit it. Anyhow, I'm concerned. And China. I am concerned very much with China. China walks quietly. They're like Teddy Rose, Teddy Roosevelt, rather, walk quietly and carry a big stick. They know they're the second military power in the world. They may very well be the first. You never know. I mean, it's that close. China's been building up the last six years their, their Army, Navy, and Air Force. And they have more people than us. They have more people in the service than us. Uh, they built airfields in the water, in the China Sea, where there is no land underneath the Air Force. These people have been busting their asses for the last six years to get equal 
us at least. They may be ahead of us because we're just starting to get around. Trump is putting a lot of money into the military in his last two budgets, $700 billion, I think this year, $760 billion. The problem is he's spending this money and the wars we're involved in. We're involved one way or another in 17 wars right now across the world. We have boots on the ground. He isn't spending enough of it on new equipment, new ships, new guns, new planes, et cetera, et cetera, new missiles. China is going to get irritated with these sanctions uh, at some point with the tariff war. They're going to be very much upset. They're upset now. If this thing doesn't show a resolution at the G20 conference, which Trump thinks it will, they announced that yesterday we're going to have a meeting, uh, and then it came out, Trump called Xi, the president of China, and said, you and I better sit down and talk. Now, whether anything will come of it, I don't know. China's not going to put their tail between their legs and run. It's not the Asian way. It's not the Oriental way. Okay, now tonight we are going to go to Philadelphia, Washington, Waterloo, Venezuela, and the southwest border. We're going to talk about uh, Ronald Reagan's uh, Berlin Wall speech. We're going to chat about also Napoleon's hemorrhoids. An interesting show, Napoleon's hemorrhoids. Uh, we're going to talk about the FBI. I'm sorry, Facebook. Facebook has plans to create their own money by 2020. Very, very interesting. And more. So let's start. We're going to start. I'm going to do history first. We're doing this a little different tonight. I'd like to know if you like it. I'm throwing a little bit more of history in. Because we learn from history. One way or another, we learn from history. Let's start, it was Flag Day recently, let's start, start with Betsy Ross. It is claimed by some that Betsy Ross designed, made the first flag. George Washington went to her shop and she agreed to make the first flag. Uh, ain't true. <laughs> I'm sorry to say it that way, but it's true. It's not correct. Uh, few historians believe that, but most are, believe the story I'm going to tell you. First, let me tell you that Remember, George Washington said to his mother, I cannot lie, I chopped down the cherry tree. Well, that's a myth. It never really happened. But that myth has become fact. Kids learn it in grammar school. Well, it's the same thing with Betsy Ross making the flag. And nobody knew about Betsy Ross and the flag until 1870. That's a long, it's almost 100 years from when she supposedly made it, 1776. In 1870, her grandson, uh, William Canaby, he did some research and wrote a paper proving historically that his grandmother, Betsy Ross, had made the first American flag. Asked to do it by George Washington. At that time, he was in Philadelphia, the U.S. Centennial Celebration the United States' birthday, its first 100 years, would be six years later in 1876. Uh, the Historical Society of Pennsylvania went crazy. They loved this. They loved this. They loved this grandmother. This was a wonderful story. And they adopted. They adopted his tale as fact. Turns out he was a con artist. Never happened. He made it up thinking he could make a fast buck off his paper and being the representative of his grandmother, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, now, that's the story as I believe it is. There are stories who disagree with me, most agree with me. Now, Betsy Ross, uh, what did she do? 
She did some good things for this country, though, a very good thing. Don't get shocked, but Betsy Ross was the madam of a whorehouse. She ran a house of ill repute. She made flags, and she did upholstering because they made, she had an upholstering shop that made flags. Upholstering shops in those days made flags. Uh, the British soldiers would come in, and her girls would go into a back room, and while they were doing the soldier, uh, they would try to pick up information from the British soldiers. Okay, this is during the Revolutionary War. She, they would then convey the information to Betsy Ross, and she would convey it to the colonial authorities, the colonial army. So she did provide a service, but she did not make the flag. It is a myth, just like, Mother, I cannot lie, I chopped down the cherry tree. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you how bad it was with her and her uh, ladies of the night. She's been referred to in her writing is operating a slutopia. 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 Okay, another historical story. We're going to talk about Ronald Reagan and the Berlin Wall. Uh, it was a, a day in June 1987 when Reagan was to speak before the Berlin Wall. Uh, Gorbachev, Mikhail Gorbachev, uh, was president at the time of Russia. Uh, and he, he wanted the speech to be strong, Reagan. Uh, this was a big deal, going to speak before the Berlin Wall. The whole world would be watching him. Now, the way uh, presidential speeches are done in Washington, he has a group of writers. They initially write the speech. Then they send it to the president. The president makes corrections, changes, additions, deletions, whatever he wants, and then he sends it back. The speech writers, we work it weave it in, et cetera, send it back to the president. He complains about something again, corrects this and that. And this goes on seven or eight times before they have a final product. Well, Reagan wanted to sound tough before the Berlin Wall. That was the first thing on his agenda. I've got to come across as a tough guy because he knew Russia was on the brink of failing. He knew Russia, and they did fail two years later. They were on the brink of failing. So, three or four years later, I'm sorry. Anyhow, he kept putting in the speech from the first time he made a correction. I'm the president of the United States. More so, he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Every time he put in Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, the speechwriters took it out. And he'd argue with them, put it in. No, I'm not going to put it in. It doesn't sound right. It sounds too strong, Mr. President. Finally, he was going over the seventh or eighth uh, rewriting of it, and he noticed they had taken it out again. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Those are world-famous words. History will write about them 100, 200 years from now. In the office delivering the speech to him was an intern, a young, young fellow staff member, and... Reagan looked, got, got irritated, and he said, they won't leave this thing in, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down the wall. So he looked at the, the intern and said, and I quote, I'm the president, aren't I? And the intern responded, yes, sir. Reagan said, then it stays in. I'm the president, aren't I? Yes, sir. Then it stays in, and it stayed in. It's world famous. Historically, it's going to be famous. Mr. Gorbachev, tear this wall down. I'm talking about Abraham Lincoln. In June 1858, Lincoln was running for the United States Senate. 
represent to represent the state of Illinois. <clears throat> he was running against Stephen Douglas. Uh, Lincoln was appearing before the Illinois Republican Convention, okay? And he warned the nation. He warned his Republicans in front there, and he warned the nation. He says, we face a crisis that will destroy the Union. We face a crisis that will destroy the Union. It was this coming civil war two years later. It was states' rights. It was slavery. And he said, how ominous this was, etc. He quoted from the Bible, Matthew 12, 22, 28. He paraphrased Matthew 12, 22, 28. And he said, and I quote, a house divided against itself cannot stand. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And that was true. They had a civil war. Today, we are a house divided in the United States once again. We, we, have, we don't have political parties. We have tribes, the Republicans and the Democrats. They're both bad. I think the Republicans are worse. I don't know if I'm prejudiced or what, but I think they just do terrible things, uh, like uh, the head of the Senate not putting any bills before his people to vote on. The House of Representatives, Pelosi's group, have passed 250 bills. Nothing that has to do with uh, anything directly involved with Trump. They all have to do with Medicare, Medicaid, college tuitions, uh, money kids owe, uh, infrastructure, a better life for the American people. And what happens is McConnell, Mitch McConnell, he's the head of the Senate, he's the majority leader, he's just making a pile of them. And he won't introduce them. And if he does, if they can't force him to introduce, because each house makes its own rules. And the House, the Senate has given to uh, Mitch McConnell the right to delay or to keep from the floor any bill he sees fit that comes from the House for a vote. Uh, so we ain't going anyplace and getting any legislation done right now, and probably won't if throughout Trump's term. Uh, we are a house divided. We don't get along. They don't talk to each other, a lot of these people. I, 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 mean, I, I hear venom, especially coming from the mouths of the Senate Republicans now. My God, they're horrible. And uh, we are a house divided, we, and we cannot stand. A house divided against itself cannot stand. I worry about the demonstrations. I worry about, uh, you know, the uh, nationalists. I, I worry about every one of the, even the Ku Klux Klan again, every one of the supremacist-type organizations. We've had, a, in the last year and a half, several demonstrations by them. When people were demonstrating, they showed up, some with guns, some in uniform. These are organized, these people, all over the country. Uh, I noticed tonight on television, before I came to do my show, uh, Trump is speaking tonight in Orlando. It's the, he's opening his campaign for 2020 with a speech in Orlando. And uh, I caught very quickly. He shouted, send her to jail or jail her. And the crowd did it, like, just like they did in uh, the last election. It's amazing. Anyhow, I, they had a group of white supremacists, nationalists, white nationalists, who are marching to attend uh, Trump's speech 
It's in some auditorium, holds 20,000 people, and I'm sure it was packed. Uh, and they were marching in unison. They were dressed with black T-shirts and so forth. But they were marched, very well organized, a big group of them. And they were smiling at the cameras, waving, some giving them the arm. Uh, we're a democratic country. We have freedom of speech. But these people protesting as they are are an indication of perhaps bad things to come. And once they start, they will not be able to be stopped. It'll be war in the streets. Which now brings me to who in history am I in my last one? Oh, Napoleon, Napoleon, Napoleon. There was a day in June 1815 when Napoleon suffered his big defeat. It was his second defeat and his last defeat. He was defeated by the Duke of Wellington and other European armies under Wellington at Waterloo. Trump went down at the Battle of Waterloo. Now, Trump, uh, not Trump, I'm sorry. You know, you think of Napoleon, you think of Trump. Uh, They're birds of a feather also. In any event, uh, the war was Napoleon's to lose. Uh, He was favored in the war. And this is the way this scenario played out. Trump had hemorrhoids. True story. Bad hemorrhoids. The night before his hem- the battle, his, his hemorrhoids were killing him. His doctors forgot to bring the leeches to suck the blood out of those, the, 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 the grapes hanging in there. They forgot the leeches. But they did have a painkiller. The painkiller was called laudanum, L-A-U-D-A-N-U-M. And they gave him the painkiller, which helped but didn't help enough. He was up most of the night and finally fell asleep late in the morning. Landinum is a tincture of opium containing morphine and codeine. So Napoleon was flying. He wasn't himself. A tincture of opium containing morphine and codeine. Instead of getting up early, he liked to fight his battles early in the morning. Instead of getting up early and go to the battlefield and knocking the hell out of Wellington, he slept late. He didn't get up till 12. He didn't arrive at the battlefield till 1 o'clock. He should have been fighting for four or five hours and already defeated Wellington because Wellington's forces were inferior. They did not have enough soldiers to meet the number that Napoleon had. Napoleon was a winner, no question about it. But he got there late. And in the meantime, Napoleon had called for help, and someone was coming from another battlefield far away, and they were on their horses driving towards Waterloo, and Napoleon didn't know it. Uh, but he started his attack at one, and he was beating the hell out of uh, Wellington's people. Uh, and about 4 o'clock, coming from his left, from Napoleon's left, is this army that was called another army, because there were several countries that were coming to aid Wellington in his battle. This would give Wellington a fresh force and a superior force. Now, the hemorrhoids come into play again. Napoleon fought his wars on a horse. He was always sitting on a horse, and he was in the background. He was normally on a hill, and he would direct. He had some sort of a steam whereby he could direct his soldiers in this area and that area and to make moves here and there. And he used to ride his horse on top of the hill, looking, you know, 
Wellington's people are in front of him. He'd be looking to the right. He'd be looking to the left. He'd be riding on top of the hill through the trees to come out someplace and see what was happening on the other side because he wanted to be sure all the time. He had to cover his troops properly. Well, he couldn't ride good on the horse. <laughs> I'm laughing. This is terrible. But this is how history was made. He couldn't ride well because of the hemorrhoids. So he didn't take his usual trot to the left and to the right to see what was going on. Never saw the new troops who were coming, who got there at 4 o'clock. And all of a sudden, the favoritism, the favor in the battle changed. And Wellington's forces became powerful. They had the other army with them. And they beat the hell out of Napoleon. The war was over in two hours. Two hours after this other group arrived, the war was over. They arrived at 4 the war ended at 6 o'clock. Uh, now, there's more to this. I find this very interesting. Uh, a, I came across a page out of a Sears catalog from the early 1800s, a Sears catalog. Prescriptions today are very expensive. I don't have to tell you the pharmaceutical houses are making a ton of money and screwing the hell out of the American people. Guess how much laudanum cost back in 1850? One ounce, eight cents. Two ounces, 15 cents. Four ounces, 25 cents. And you could take a hell of a trip for that amount of money. Want to talk about Venezuela? We know they got problems. They've had problems for six years. I mean, they ran out of food. The farmers weren't even growing food because there's no food to sell. They had no food. They killed their pets and ate them. Then they attacked the zoos and killed the animals and ate that flesh. Then they ate the grass and they ate the roots under the ground. And then they had no food. I'm, not, I'm laughing, but this is exactly what happened over a period of about a year or two. And where nobody complained in this country about they were starving. I've been telling people, I've been following Maduro ever since he took office six years ago. They're starving. It was a humanitarian crisis, but all of a sudden, Trump wants to invade Venezuela. Remember a few months ago? He says there's a humanitarian crisis. The people have nothing to eat. Where the hell's he been for six years? Anyhow, he sent 3,500 troops, if you recall, to the Colombia-Venezuela border. He sent F-35s there. He sent missiles there. And our troops were ready to cross the border and attack Venezuela. Venezuela, and they would have knocked the shit out of them, except for Russia backs Venezuela. They have been backing them because Russia wants the oil. Understand, this is why Trump wanted Venezuela also. Venezuela has the largest oil reserves in the world, the largest oil reserves in the world. But they can't, they can't get the oil out of the ground. They don't have the money. They don't have the, the equipment anymore. Russia, when Trump said it's 3,500 down to the border. They landed troops on the west side of Venezuela, on the opposite side. Russian troops on the ground, boots on the ground, and they also uh, brought airplanes in. We didn't have any airplanes there. We were on the other side of the border, though. And somehow the war never took place. We sent 3,500 troops out, spent all that money, and they came back a week or two later. It was another one of these Trump things. I don't know why he wanted to go to war with Venezuela except for the oil. That isn't what I want to tell you about tonight, though. You probably already know that. I've spoken about it and written about it in the past. 
What I am concerned with is the percentage, the rate of inflation in Venezuela. It is mind-blowing. Today, the rate of inflation in Venezuela is 130,000%. 130,000%. Money is useless. <laughs> it's no good. So you can appreciate, and I make myself clear on what 130,000 uh, percent means compared, I compare it to the rate of inflation today in the United States. Our rate of inflation is 2 percent. Okay, and people are getting excited. Trump's getting excited. It's too high. It's going to go higher. We're going to find out tomorrow. But 130,000 to 2 percent, they're in trouble over there. Uh, now, Trump goes to Putin, his buddy. He's our friend. Remember that. Goes to Putin after we pulled our troops back. And he said to Russia, Putin told him, they're on the phone again. He got out of Russia, too. Trump says, I got our boys out. He says, I got mine out, too. Good show. The only trouble is Putin didn't move any Russians out of Venezuela, not one plane out of Venezuela. They are still there. And, again, and it's been many happenings, Trump got bullshitted again by the head of another country. Okay. Facebook, you've got to admire Zuckerberg. He made himself oh, so rich. Uh, I admire him. I, I admire him. He, he did it in college. He designed Facebook. I, I admire Bill Gates. He became a multi-multi-billionaire. He's given money to all kinds of charities, he, he and his wife, at billion-dollar levels. Uh, now, we're giving our nation Washington is giving Zuckerberg trouble, Facebook trouble. They may be right, they may be wrong, I don't know. But Zuckerberg's no fool, and he announced yesterday something that is huge. He announced that in 2020, Facebook is going to come out with a cryptocurrency. A cryptocurrency, a cryptocurrency is a global digital currency. It's new money, a new form of money. Zuckerberg is going to have Facebook put out a new form of money, cryptocurrency. He's calling it Libra. And he can be a success, the economists say, because Facebook has in excess of 2 billion active members right now. 2.38 billion to be exact. Isn't that wild? And Zuckerberg figures most of them will deal in money with his organization. Uh, and it's not just Zuckerberg alone on Facebook. He's gone out and he's brought other companies in. Joining him in this thing, but he's got Facebook running it, is Uber, Lyft, uh, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, and other organizations. So he's doing it wisely. If he is successful, and he may fail, it's been tried twice in the last two or three years, uh, new money, and in each instance it hasn't really taken off. But if Zuckerberg succeeds, he will cre have created a whole new economy. He'll blow the banking industry out. Everything's going to change. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. On Wednesday, Trump was interviewed by George Stephanopoulos, for a whole day, Stephanopoulos just followed Trump around. They talked. He filmed them. And Wednesday and Sunday night, the show was aired. I'm just going to you've seen it. If you haven't, you've heard about it. I'm going to share a few things with you. 
One of the things uh, Trump told Stephanopoulos, too late at night, my friends, he confirmed, Trump confirmed that he treats his oath to serve the United States faithfully with the same contempt he's given to his wedding vows and business contracts. Isn't that wild? Same contempt he's given to his uh, wedding vows and business contracts. Now, he also said, and this was all in the news, this apparently to the media was the most important thing, he said he might not, okay, report to the FBI if in the next election, next presidential election, a foreign country approached him with information on, his, on the opposing candidate. Even though he's been told it's the law, you got to do it, he says, it's stupid. I'm only getting information to help me in the campaign. A couple of days later, he's told you better back off. It's a clear violation of the law. And he starts saying, well, I might tell them after I heard what was said, if I think it's something that should be reported. Then I, the other thing he said, and this was the last thing I made a note on, and I quote, I'm naturally a very honest guy. I like the truth. I'm naturally a very honest guy. I like the truth. Good luck, okay? The man has lied. They've documented it in excess of 10,000 times since he has been president. That is the show for this week. I want to make a suggestion. I've never said this before. I write, I write a blog every morning, keywestlou.com, keywestlou.com, keywestlou.com. Read it. It's just what I have here. Uh, it's longer, though. It's, a, it's, um, it's about 1,000 words. You can read it, though. It's not longer in the sense that you can read it in about three minutes, and you'll enjoy it. If you enjoy this, you'll enjoy that. I say it the same way, though you don't hear me ranting and raving. Keywestlou.com. My blog, My Life in Key West, you'll enjoy it. It's American politics, national happenings. It's Key West. I talk about what happens in Key West, too, and the people I meet down there, et cetera, et cetera. Try it. I guarantee you'll enjoy it. If you don't, you don't have to read it anymore. Thank you for joining me again this week. I look forward to being with you next week. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.